Welcome to Koinonia Podcast. We exist to engage the church with edifying biblical discussion that is relevant to our local church in our world today. Let's tune in in today's episode. Welcome to this episode of Koinonia Podcast. Yes, welcome back, everybody. We are doing the little mini-series that we have, and we're going to be entering into exegesis. And that's exciting because it's one of the many times that we're going to be talking about um, how we perceive um, what God is speaking to us and how we properly adopt a good adherence of the word into our lives. So mm-hmm. orthodoxy, orthopraxy. Actually, I think this series should be titled From Doxy to Praxy. Yeah, it sounds nice. It has it a good good flow. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is uh, exegesis? Yes. What, what would you define, David, of exegesis? Did we even introduce you? Oh, my goodness. Well, it's all right. Everybody knows from the last one that I'm here. So the, oh, dear. The, they know. David, what is exegesis? Yeah. In your own terms, what do you think? My own terms. So, exegesis is just the act of looking for the message, the meaning of some text, and taking that meaning out of it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just exegesis, uh, you know, mm-hmm. exa meaning that that act outside of. So mm-hmm. taking something in the text, trying to trying to take it out of it, so that you can draw from it. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that the Greek word means to lead out. Lead out. And okay. So it's yeah. like it's literally that thing. Um, that, that makes sense. That you're saying, and so yeah, it's a critical analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. What is like the opposite of exegesis? What what would yeah. that be? Would it just be like applying to? Yes. Yeah. 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 This would. So this is eisegesis, and eisegesis is the uh, notion of like reading the a certain concept into the text. Mm-hmm. What what is not present, right? And so like you know you got this concept in your in your brain in the culture mm-hmm. more often than not in the culture and you kind of like read it into the okay. text and mm-hmm. so uh, that's eisegesis. Okay. Um, and it doesn't really help people understand the text because the whole point of a text like the scripture is to read it and then get what is being said by the author. Yeah. And in a certain more important sense, what the Holy Spirit has inspired to be understood mm. through that author to us as Christians, as readers. Yeah. And so, eisegesis kind of ignores that entire premise and flips it mm-hmm. into like, what, what do I want this passage of text to say? Mm. Um, which leads to a lot of interesting groups, a lot of interesting groups and a lot of interesting cultural lot paradigms. Of I, I, interesting concepts. Yeah. yeah. Um, like... You know, it leaves me scratching my head sometimes when they when when people will refer to the Bible in some sort of way and say this is what it means and and I'm thinking of like the context of the passage mm-hmm. and I'm like I don't I don't know if that do you do you know that you're wrong <laughs> and it's not me saying you're wrong it's like the Bible yeah. is interpreting itself and that's that's the the aspect of the Bible that people so often, I think, who do eisegesis, um, that they often do yeah. um, they, they feel to grasp that. They feel to grasp that the Bible is like a self-interpreting, mm-hmm. breathing yeah. word, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that this is not some sort of like... Sufficient. Yes. And 
it's it's inerrant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's authoritative. That's right for sure. I mean, if it's if it's sufficient, it's definitely authoritative. Yeah. Um, and so, would you think that eisegesis and narcissus are similar? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd say narcissus is like a type of eisegesis. Okay, because there's there's like other types yeah. of eisegesis you know what uh, other jesuses are there oh man well there's narcissus there's cultural jesus cultio cultural it's like the cultural form of narcissus where it's like this is applying to our culture today okay and also we have to read our culture back into the text right now okay um sometimes they will eisegetically put cultural values from today into the text okay just so they can do narcissus and say now it's about us mm, okay. now now so it's crafty it's very crafty you mm. actually see this with like okay. with, with a lot of critical theory a lot of critical theory groups crt mm-hmm. is one example critical race theory uh they will force through what is, eisegesis what is crt oh yeah just... so uh crt critical race theory is mm-hmm. this group and kind of this ideology it's this there's belief. all sorts of different theories there's so many yeah. there's like critical gender theory critical race theory critical feminist theory yeah a lot of other ones, but that takes too long to go into. But mm-hmm. uh, it's just a critical theory is this view of the world as being uh, a a set of paradigms, a set of points in history where uh, people of one group oppressed other people, mm-hmm. and anything that we associate with those powerful people mm-hmm. is bad. Okay. So a lot of people in critical Marxism. theory, Marxism, yeah. always it, they call it like dialectical materialism mm-hmm. dialectical just means back and forth yeah so they're, they're just saying there's always an oppressor group and oppressed group mm-hmm. and the people who do critical theory critical race theory they're the ones who get to choose who those oppressors are mm-hmm. and what parts of those are oppression interesting so they say you know uh white mm-hmm. is oppressive mm-hmm. uh wealth is oppressive yep A, um uh, christianity is yep. oppressive yep. any other religion would be considered oppressed even if they're more violent it doesn't matter they'd be considered oppressed Mm -hmm. because christianity is disliked okay and so it's just a way of kind of like saying uh, of making us and another it's another way of like making battlegrounds interesting because when you read the bible you actually see only um two compartments you see a holy god yep and a wicked man that's it it's Um, way more simple and 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 we're we're all like the up oppressors of each other constantly like we're we're we have no no victim mentality like so yeah that's really interesting how how that all plays out yeah yeah and so when we're if we're looking at would you say that these critical theories as we're trying to do exegesis which is a critical uh, interpretation of scripture Mm -hmm. if we take the lens like if if i take the glasses off my head and replace them with a critical theory lens. So I'm reading into the Bible. Yes. Something that's not there. Yes. And I'm, I'm developing this relationship based on how I'm perceiving the world today. Mm -hmm. Um, And in so doing, where's the role of the Holy spirit? Oh, ignore the inspiration of the Holy spirit. Yeah. Ignore. And so I think that we could probably say that, that is a danger. Mm-hmm. And so so looking at scripture um, with the the lens, looking at the world, sorry, through the lens of scripture mm-hmm. is how God intended us to do. Yes. So if we have problems of oppressive 
uh, leaders or oppressive constructs in in the world, we ought to look at that through the lens of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And in that, I think that we find our solution in the gospel. Yes, 100%. which is interesting. Yeah, because the gospel does address all of that. Mm-hmm. Because Jesus Christ had a great deal of things to say about ethics and and social uh, constructs and things like that, yes. um, about weakest, greatest, and humility and things like that. And things. to give like a small, very small example to make it more concrete, uh, if someone was starting with their filter of critical race theory and trying to apply that to the Bible, they would look at Jesus and they would say this: they would say, "Oh, Jesus uh, is a Palestinian man." who was uh, poor and was in rebellion against the wealthy, rich aristocrats. Mm -hmm. Uh, They would say that he was a dark-skinned man. They would say that he uh, was uh, Jewish and not Christian, because, again, you have to reject anything that Mm -hmm. is is Christian. So, uh, again, they would say he's Jewish and then think that means he can't be, you know, it's it's a category error. Anyways, they look at all these, like, modern political things they're focusing on, uh, and then they'd say, you see... Jesus isn't a religious figure. He is a moral standard for uh, for critical theory, right? He shows us that he has all the check marks for oppression. You know, hmm. he was from an unstable household, is what they'll say, because they say you know, he didn't have a normal family household. Because, you know what they say? Yeah. He gets us. He gets us. <laughs> that- that commercial actually is really funny. Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah, that commercial is yeah. is hilarious because it's an attempt to try to reach out to that crowd, but it fails yes. because that crowd doesn't like Christianity. Yes. So to say he gets us is the thing that... It's the reason why even that commercial... Yeah. That com- uh, This is a Super Bowl commercial for people who don't know. And it's a movement. It's a, it's a very movement. highly funded movement. They got yeah. a lot of big donors in yeah. it. and Which is hilarious because even that movement is rejected by critical race theorists and critical yeah. theorists. It, it was considered even by the vice president to be mm-hmm. like an oppressive commercial, mm. be- which is hilarious because I thought it was like... Kamala pandering. really didn't like it. She actually went out of her way to say that it was like oppressive All Christian right. nationalism. Hmm. So again, no matter how hard you try, because it even attempts to say he gets us. Yeah. Saying that is is not right for critical theorists. They say no, we get him. Ah, yeah, okay. We understand him, but to say that he gets us is putting him above, right? Hmm. And you can't accept anyone being above you. Gotcha. Right? You, you, you can't, I see. You yeah. can't allow that. So even that commercial failed. Yeah. Because it was it, it put the focus on on him still technically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so the issue with critical theory is it will just see all these historical cultural facts about Christ. Mm-hmm. But when you ask them, okay, but is he God, though? Yeah, yeah. That he is the eternal word of God, that he mm-hmm. is God, that yeah. he truly is the son mm-hmm. of the Trinity, right? Yeah. Uh, and so then they would say, well, no, no, but that's not important. And I'm like, yeah. then your lens... So you're di- you're dismissing context because it's not adapting to th- what they want Scripture to say. Yes, this is like they cultural. cannot be God exactly, which is a big issue for them. Yeah. This is like cultural level narcissism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what this is. So it's a world of unbelief. It's mm-hmm. it's a, it's a sinful world, and so that that's definitely a problem. But unfortunately, that's where narcissism kind of leads down to. Yes. Um, and what you have isn't a gospel at all. It's it's just it's it's nonsense yeah. essentially. So. Um, we're putting our aim in in this episode is to put on 
biblical glasses and to see scripture and to see the world um, through the lens of scripture, mm-hmm. how it ought to rightly be seen. Yes. And so that's looking at context. It's considering the context heavily in understanding mm-hmm. what of what scripture is saying. And so let's just talk about context and then we can go into some other things like even structure. Mm-hmm. Um, but context, what, what, what would we, we be looking for? If we're looking at a text, what context can we say is right there in the text? Mm-hmm. What would you say? If it was that text right in that moment, I'd say, okay, obviously this is a couple thousand years ago. So there is like some local literary context, but also the historical context yeah. of that historical moment right there. There's okay, a historical so, context. So let's take a historical context book. Let's yeah. talk about context. Okay, mm-hmm. so Book of Acts. So mm-hmm. the Book of Acts is a is a literary work, and you have an historic time period mm-hmm. that the Book of Acts was written. Mm-hmm. Right. So how would you say that historical context would impact your reading of the Book of Acts as opposed to saying um, the Book of Titus? Mm. Yeah. How would, uh, you, how would you think? That's good, yeah. Uh, because Titus being more of like a pastoral epistle, right? Yeah. We, it, it's a different genre, yeah. right? And so for a historical narrative, what's happening is, just like all historical narratives we see in history books, uh, it's a description of events, mm-hmm. right? We have this real description of events happening in Acts, Um not necessarily a prescription. Yeah. Uh, Saying, do this, don't do this. Exactly. Yep. That would be prescription, right? But what we see with historical narrative is more often than not a generalized just description. Mm-hmm. They're describing what happens. Mm-hmm. They're describing what's happening right then and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's what we see with a historical narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, these descriptions overall. Yes. Could there be moments in a historical narrative that would be prescriptions? Mm-hmm. Yes. But that doesn't mean that every single thing said is a prescription, because the genre says Mm -hmm. this is description. We're describing actual events. Yeah. So historically speaking, the historic context, you have a season that's in the early church. Mm -hmm. The book of Acts begins with Jesus commissioning the disciples, and then his ascension, and then it's basically the the world is turned upside down in different regions. But there's something that Jesus says that in that time period saying that in the history, historical context of this moment, this is going to take place. Yes. And so that is bound to that text. That's okay. Right. And so we can we can talk about it in, in just a moment uh, when we talk about um, literary local context. But yeah, so that would be historical context right there in the book. But then not only that, if you're looking at a verse that is taking place at this moment in history mm-hmm. with these different uh, political tensions, um, ecclesiological tensions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got all these these things. You got Saul of Tarsus chasing after Christians, going yeah. home after home. And so you have that. So this verse has that historical context, that cultural context also mm. in that. But not only that, is around that verse that we jump into in the book of Acts, it has a local context. Yes. One of the big things in the book of Acts is this arrival of the Holy Spirit. It's like you have the Pentecost mm-hmm. at, at Jerusalem, and then you have a Pentecost 
in Samaria. Yes. And then you have a Pentecost in, in uh, these Gentile regions, and it's like the Holy Spirit came, and it, but it, it all has significance. Do you remember in the book of Acts, when we were going through the series, how that local context impacted our reading of that? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, that was so helpful, which if you didn't know, like Acts 1-8, you'd be totally confused. Yeah, you'd be what, lost. Read Acts one eight, and then we can relate it to to um, the local context within maybe some of those those things. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> so Acts one eight. Uh, yes, uh, may, I'll just read Acts one six to Acts one eight to help a bit. So when they had come together, they asked him, "Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel?" He said to them, "It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority." But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Hmm. That is what we're seeing. That's Acts That's 1, really 6 interesting. to Acts 1, 8. And so, yeah. again, it's the first chapter of Acts, right? This is that important... Mm-hmm. Luke is always really well known for his style of like front-loading his goal at mm. the beginning of his historical narratives. Yeah. You even no- notice that in his gospel. Mm-hmm. It's actually the exact same thing. It's the same writer, so obviously it's kind of the same style. Yeah. Um, he tells you his meaning, first paragraph, every and, time. And it's pretty clear that he was the, the author. He was commissioned by Theophilus mm-hmm. to, to give an orderly account. That's and right. so even like if you're looking at local context, I mean, you get the purpose in the introduction and you know, he's writing because Theophilus wants to know what in the world is going on with the church. Yes. How did this all come to be? Yes. And so he's basically saying, this is how it came to be. Yes. The promise of God breached the walls of Jerusalem mm-hmm. and it spread. And it came in so significant moments in history that the Holy Spirit fell. Everyone was speaking the gospel of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. in different languages wild and it's interesting because in the book of acts when you look at all of these occurrences of these three big uh pentecosts the jerusalem pentecost samaria and the gentiles Mm -hmm. um at the end of each one of these spreads is a summary statement yeah yes that's right yeah and the word of god increased Increased, and multiplied and and it's it's like yeah, the Holy Spirit came, and guess what? The Word of God increased. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that happens at the end of, of chapter 8 of Acts. It en- happens again, another summary statement at the end of Samaria's spread and in Acts chapter 9, and then also the Gentiles in Acts chapter 12, before you get into all the missionary journeys of, right. of Paul. But boy, without considering context in yeah. that book, the local context, the verses before and after, I mean, you're doomed. Yes. You're going to teach a church that for for them to be searching out this outpouring, constantly emotionally charged and experience, 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 rather than just seeing the word of God increasing and multiplying within Mm -hmm. the walls of of churches and communities. And in that, I think that that you, you kind of miss the whole point. Mm-hmm. Luke would hit us over the head with his book. Of course. And be like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like an RC Sproul. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> like, we just we have this hunger for this this experience and the newness of everything, and we just can't reckon with the fact that we are just sick of the the his, historicity of the the word of God and, and just resting in promises. Mm-hmm. 
and it's sad. The other aspect of context is is this expanded sort of biblical context mm. because at different times uh paul will be referencing something in the old testament mm. cross references and so in that he's using this expanded context of saying and this was a fulfillment here you know what i mean yeah and yeah. so that's connections in other places within the bible we're asking for what connections the author could have reasonably expected. Mm -hmm. Because we can't over-spiritualize something like, oh, um, uh, tongues are mentioned here, like yeah. you said. Yeah. And that, you know, tongues is also mentioned over here in the <laughs> Old Testament. Yep. And all of a sudden, you're making these connections that aren't actually connections. <laughs> yeah, at all. <laughs> and that happens all the time. And so, it's, it's like you want to follow the author. Mm. If there is an explicit, like, so it is said, you know, like mm. Jesus said that all the time, connecting the Old Testament prophets to what, what he's doing in his mission and, and the gospel. And so we're not looking for theological connections. Like, just because the author mentions grace here, we don't look for other mentions of grace and connect it like yeah. that's what was being said. Yeah. Um, that's not at this part of exegesis, that yeah. what you're doing. That's like a systematic approach, and I think it, it would be premature at this point. True. But you're looking for references that the author is making in other parts of the Bible. You're letting the author lead. It's a literary mm. feature mm -hmm. inspired by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. Historical, local. Mm -hmm. Expanded. expanded so it's kind of like three shock waves from yeah. your passage you have your verse or your your chapter mm. and then those the shock waves you want to investigate that yeah and so it can be very dangerous to forget any of these three it, it kind of puts you on guard because it, like say like I'm, I'm looking for a church or something and they say like you know biblical teaching oh good yeah yeah like love to that's see a it. that's a church for me <laughs> um but it, it makes us realize that just quoting verses doesn't mean, doesn't mean you're, you're, you're teaching the Bible. At all. Biblical teaching would be exposing, expository, like taking out, drawing out the message mm -hmm. that's already in there, that the Holy Spirit put in there. Yes. And that's beautiful, mm -hmm. but makes you question, you know, the, quote, biblical teaching. You know? Yeah. All we are is we're just people drawing water from a perfect well. Yeah. We are not the people trying to make our own water. Oh, that'll <laughs> preach, too. Yeah. There's got to be something in Proverbs that you could, oh, yeah. you could probably connect that to. <laughs> you probably could, actually. You could probably make, like, a good proverbial, yeah, pure water from the, from the water of life. You can make something there. So, that's context, and, you know, it's asking the text some really good questions of, why is this passage here mm -hmm. in the first place? How does this passage relate to other passages or the sections before and after? And what are unique situations to that first audience, uh, depending on the genre of the readers? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So context is, is key. It's a saying, but it really is. Yes. It'll, it'll ground us. It'll, it'll keep us anchored mm -hmm. in God's message before we twist it into our message. So that is that is the aim and the goal in our pursuit of handling God's word well. And Amen. going from doxy to, to praxy. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so that's all we have time for in this episode. Yes. So thanks for chatting about context. And uh, we'll get into a little, little more talk of exegesis mm -hmm. in the next episode. Yeah. 
little more structure. All right. See you next time. Peace. This podcast is a ministry of Steel Valley Church. For more information on how to participate, visit our website at steelvalleychurch.com slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in.